on through this book, and we're to chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to read that. You'll see in the bulletin, if you're following there, we have that response uh, to the reading of God's word. So I say uh, that line, and then you respond with thanks be to you, O God. But let's, uh, we're going to read God's word, but I want to remind you that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17. And that's true of this passage this morning, which might challenge us. And yet that's a good thing. It is a good thing for us to be challenged by God's word. If we're not, we're either not reading it, or we're only reading it through a lens in which we are comfortable with. And so, First uh, Peter 3, 1 through 7, let's hear God's word this morning once again. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is the word of God. Join me in prayer. Indeed, we do thank you, Lord, for your word, even passages that may be challenging to us in a variety of ways. Lord, it is my desire as your servant to say true things. It's possible that I might say dumb things. Lord, I certainly pray that I won't say truly dumb things. But Father, this is your word, so I pray that you would attend it by your spirit and the work of your spirit in our hearts and minds, and that we not shrink back from following your word or having regard for it. Lord, we thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I love maps. I love maps. All kinds of different maps and styles. I got this maybe this week. Uh, someone brought this to me. This is a huge book, American Cities, Historic Maps and Views. So I, I've only just begun looking through it, but that, that's pretty cool. Um, it's big. Hold on. I even like this, the old style map. That's Vermont. I got this when we were in Massachusetts. I brought it home. I didn't have to pay for this, this uh, souvenir. Uh, I, I can fully respect the blue dot, right, showing you where you are. And I know these things are hard to, uh, hard to fold and get back, but you know, sometimes it's just helpful to have that. I went hiking at Tim's Ford State Park, and uh, thankfully they gave me a map because when I go hiking, I tend to get lost. It does happen, so, and I did get a little bit lost, but 
because I had a map, I got right back on the trail I was supposed to be on. They help you, maps, keep you from getting lost, or if you are lost, kind of getting back on track, hopefully that you're not lost for long. And what I particularly like, and sometimes I'll just go to look at them, if you go to like Bridge Street or uh, the mall of some sort or maybe an airport, I love when you look at a map and it says, you are here. You know what I'm talking about? You give it get a big star and it says those words and it allows you to orient yourself to the world that you're inhabiting in that particular time and place. You are here. Now, it's also true that someone else could be on the other end of the map. They're somewhere else, aren't they? But that's where you are in that moment. We're not all in the same place in the same way at the same time. That would be weird. But those maps help you. And it's true today, we're not all in the same place in our lives. We're in different parts of the map in our relationships. As we think about this passage and we hear it addresses husbands and wives, we recognize some of us have had good experiences and some of us have had hard ones and all manner of things in between. But what I hope we will all see is that the map of Scripture before us is profitable for everyone to consider what it means to live out a cross-shaped identity through Christ. You may recall that that's some of my themes the last couple weeks, that we're called to live out a a cruciform life, a cross-shaped life. As we follow the Lord, that is going to mean that we are challenged, that we suffer, that we have struggles. And that we're called to live out our faith in a certain way. And so my theme this morning is simply this. We are all, we are called to live out our cross-shaped identity where we are. Where we are. Now there is particular application here to husbands and wives. So we'll talk about our homes and our marriages. But there are larger principles. So if you're here and you're saying, well this isn't for me, please don't check out. Okay, because I believe there's some principles for us all to consider, and we will look at those. Additionally, it's helpful just to think about the ways that we approach Scripture. And so we're going to look at this passage in three ways. We're going to look at the context that this passage is a part of. We're going to look at the commands in this passage, and then we're going to talk about some of the consequences that come out of that. And those in particular are for us all. Anytime we approach Scripture... There are multiple contexts that we bring to bear. Some of those we don't always recognize. So first of all, there's the context of the time in which we live right now. There's also the context of the storyline of Scripture, what's happening when those words are written and the people that are, they are written to originally. And then certainly we want to consider this passage itself and what's happening around it. So those are three contexts I want to pull out, the context of our time, the context of First Peter in terms of the culture, and the context of Scripture. So first, let's think about our time. And we're not all the same, certainly. Uh, we don't approach this all the same, but as I said a couple weeks ago, we live in an anti-authority age, and for good reason. We have low trust in our institutions because we're more aware of 
than ever of abuse and different ways that authority can be misused. That includes the church. Also today, women are more independent than they ever have been. Much of that is good. We can say that these things can be and are at times good. And yet, when we read this phrase, be subject, particularly as it begins in verse 1, wives, be subject to your husbands, there may be a part of us that recoils at that, that bristles at it. Also, if you're paying attention, there are six verses for the wives and only one for the husbands. What's up with that? And of course, divorce exists. There are marriage, marriage as a whole is less desirable than ever. And again, as I said just a moment ago, some of us have had hard experiences. And so we have to be honest about where we are on the map of our culture. Just know that you bring those things to the table when we read Scripture. There's also the context of 1 Peter. For for instance, like that book, we're looking at an older map. And I want to make three big observations about that older map. First of all, remember this. And this was radical. The preaching of the gospel was not restricted by age, religion, gender, race, vocation. Anything about who you are, the gospel was not restricted. It went out freely. And as a result, then, many came to know Jesus Christ. That is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And the gospel spreading throughout the Roman Empire Christianity declares the fundamental dignity and unity of all who follow Christ, regardless of who they are or what they are. Galatians 3, 28 and 29. I'll start with actually verse 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons uh, and and daughters of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the declaration of Christianity. And so that radical message is out there, and the Lord was calling people to himself, but that could create difficulties. And that's the second thing to note here, Carol Rivolo notes in her book, at that time in history, households routinely accepted and practiced the religious beliefs adopted by the master, husband, and father. No one expected or encouraged slaves and women to adopt a different religion. No one except Christianity, that is. Christianity elevated commitment to God above all human authority and rightly taught that salvation in Christ required ultimate devotion to the one true God. When redeemed slaves and women disavowed their religious beliefs, the religious beliefs of their masters and husbands, their actions were often construed as rebellion against established authority. So that's part of the the context here that we have to keep in mind. And then I mentioned last week the idea of household codes. This was a common feature but what was different in the new testament and quite radical there as well is that men were addressed 
That was expected. The head of the household. But not just them. Women, wives, servants or slaves, and in some places, children. We don't have that here in First Peter, but that was also uh, that is also present in the New Testament. And that was quite different because these individuals are then spoken to as though they have great worth and dignity and a role in the kingdom of God. And certainly they did and they do. And so then that put men on an equal plane as they are addressed in the same manner. And it wasn't the idea of being in submission that was so shocking at the time, like it may be for us. It was simply that these others were addressed in the first place. Then we come to the context of of first Peter itself and remember that Peter is addressing those who he calls aliens and strangers, those who are sojourners in this world and the ESV study Bible in a larger section of scripture says that gives it this title, including this passage, living as aliens to bring glory to God in a hostile world. So this is the the pig, the big picture. And actually, Jacob's going to preach on that big picture next week. If you look at verse eight, it says, finally, all of you. And so Jacob's going to take that and we're going to be led back to a place where all of us are being addressed quite specifically. But that likewise here in verse 1 is important to the passage. If you were to leave it off, and I think some people perceive that it has been left off or they've experienced it being left off. If you just started verse 1 and said, wives, be subject to your own husbands, full stop. That would be a misuse an abuse of scripture. And we should call that out. But this also hints this passage at a scenario in which a wife becomes a Christian, but her husband is not one. And so much like the servant that we looked at last week has to ask the question, how do I live now? I'm living in this culture that I'm bound by, But I've been freed by Christ. How do I follow him? And so the wife had to ask the same question. And let's not forget what Peter has just said. At the end of chapter 2. He points us to the anchor of Christ and his sacrifice. He declares the lordship of Christ through his willingness to give himself up. For us. That he himself. Verse 24. Bore our sins in his body on the tree. Do not forget that. Even as we move forward into chapter 3. More specifically. And that leads us to the commands. To the husbands and wives. Or wives and husbands will go in that. The order in which scripture has it and there's two big commands to the wives i'm at least i'm going to give it these categories of honor and humility and then it's followed by an illustration from the old testament so wives are to honor their husbands through their disposition towards his role and place as the head of the family again there's a particular circumstance that seems to be in view look at verses one and two likewise wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey 
Some aren't followers of Christ. They do not obey the word. They may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So I'm giving honor. The heading uh, there is the way that the wives work out their salvation, their following of Christ, even within a context that presents difficulty and challenge. Now, submission here should be noted is not the same as obedience without question. If you read or you suggest that submit here means to obey without question, you are misreading and likely abusing this scripture. Because what that does when it says submit is it acknowledges the agency of the one who submits and the freedom in their determining what that submission looks like from situation to situation. And that respect and purity of conduct honors the husband and the marriage. So honors the first command, if I can give it that heading. The second one would be humility. I don't know if you know this, but the 2022, the, the cosmetic industry was a $49 billion industry. I, I didn't, I, I took care of Sephora. There was something I wanted to, that she, I, I was proud of her for something. I wanted to encourage her. I had never been in this place. Ah, it was her birthday. So dad being generous. Thank you for remembering dear wife. Uh, Dad, being generous, said, Kara, I want to I buy you something in this store. And she turns to me and she says, well, well kind of what amount were you thinking? And I had this number in mind, and I told her that number, and she's sort of like, <laughs> okay. Dear listener, it was much more than that amount. For this small bottle of perfume, but... Dad's got to do for his daughter. I had no clue. And, and let me tell you guys, we have it easy. I still don't understand this concept of a blow dry bar because you can go in the Walmart bathroom and put your head underneath one of those. And that is free. So just just uh, that's free. Listen, not unlike our day. There were any number of ways for women to display and flaunt their wealth. And that came through their outward appearance. And that's what Peter's addressing. That's reflected there in verses 3 and 4. And there were three ways at this time that a woman might be tempted to focus on her, her external appearance rather than the inward state of her heart. So the braiding of hair, or you could just sum it up as ha- doing her hair, her jewelry, and her clothing. Now that's, Peter's not saying those things in and of themselves are wrong or bad. It's about what's happening within you. And so if you think those are the things that make you who you are in this world and before God, you've misunderstood the gospel. And so these wives are called to a humility within their inward disposition and their external looks and where their focus was for them instead of outward things it showed up in their gentle and quiet spirit we read in verses three and four just as the slave lived before the face of god so does the wife 
That's what you see at the end of verse 4. That gentle and quiet spirit is precious in God's sight. And ultimately, that's who we all should be living for. Not for the husband who may not share her faith, but for God and for following their Savior. And there's this illustration from the Old Testament that we get in verses 5 and 6. It's very broad, verse 5, and then it moves into Sarah and Abraham. And one pastor notes that in the pagan ethical codes, in books like Plutarch's Advice, and uh, there's another one that I won't try to say, these ethical instructions, like the household codes, they were given about how wives should behave. The exhortations were usually reinforced by appeal to the example of some admired Greek woman from history. So Peter's kind of picking up on that in the same way. But again, there's, there's something different in the way that Peter addresses women here that was quite different from the normal household codes. And it was that position that women had in a order to give or show honor and humility. So Sarah demonstrated that and showed honor to Abraham and her obedience to him. Peter's referencing Genesis 18. By the way, it should be noted that Abraham also listened to Sarah at times. And they both together made some bad decisions at times. They were two sinners coming together. So don't lose, lose that part. But particularly what Peter is addressing or alluding to here in Genesis 18 has particular redemptive and covenantal significance. Because they had to believe in the promises of God. They had to believe that what God had declared was true. And that he was at work even when what they could see didn't seem like it. Remember, God had promised them a child. And that didn't look like that was a human possibility. And so they struggled with that. But God is calling them to believe. Wives, in the same way, are called to believe in the God of the impossible. One who rescues and redeems us from our sin. And so, when we do that, when wives do that, they show themselves to be daughters of Sarah. It's likely these are Gentile women who are now being called daughters of Sarah. They receive that heritage of the Old Testament. They gain it, and that should further their humility. We don't woo God by our looks or by our behavior. He woos us by the cross of Christ. And that is good news for us all. There are also commands to husbands here. And that's important for us to see that there are things for husbands to be aware of. Uh, there are uh, things, I don't know if you've heard this, but John Gottman, he's a, a well-known marriage therapist. He says there are four horsemen of the apocalypse, things that signal the breakdown of a relationship, including a marriage relationship. Contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Now, that's not just for husbands. That's for everyone, husbands and wives, and beyond that. If you treat someone with contempt, that's not a good thing for the relationship, regardless of what the relationship is. 
But the antidote for contempt, in particular, is fondness and admiration, Gottman notes. Well, Peter's not here predicting divorce. But in the same way that a wife is called to honor and humility, he's called to the same. And in particular, fondness and admiration for his wife. It's going to look different, but he's called to uphold those things. There are differences between men and women, and so we should expect differences in the way that Scripture addresses where we are. It is not good for us culturally to flatten all distinctions. But a husband is to honor his wife by physical proximity and intimate knowledge. Look at verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. The expectation here is that husbands are present with their wives, not distant from them. We might say now they are doing life together in every respect in their household. And husbands honor their wives by knowing them intimately. That's the language that's used here, this living in an understanding way. That's not a a patronizing way. That's a way of real intimacy and knowledge between a husband and a wife. He's to know their hopes and dreams, what fears they might have, the things that make for a good day and the things that make for a hard day. A husband who does not have interest in actually knowing his wife fails to honor her and is simply using her for his own purposes. And that is not the way of Christ. Now, I know here it says that the woman is a weaker vessel, and some of you, again, may recoil at that language. But the language is just to say the vessel is is the body, and it is generally true, generally true that men are stronger than women. That's what Peter is saying. Does that mean that all men are stronger, stronger than all women? No. Listen, I'm not, I won't even start going down that road. That's not what Peter is saying. Peter's point, though, is for these believing husbands who are being addressed to use their strength to serve the needs of their wives as a part of honoring them. There was a question asked on Twitter, it's now called X, in light of the much-discussed masculinity crisis, what is one thing the church or Christian communities can do for men and here was the answer from a, another pca pastor it's brief and more could be said but men need to know that their strength is good needed and to be stewarded well for the sake of the vulnerable not something they should be ashamed of or that's irredeemably toxic and i think that's a good balance where we live so husbands honor your wives also have humility There are no, this is for all of us, no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. Not a single one, because we are all recipients of God's grace and mercy through Christ. And we share the hope of the gospel, and we're trying to live out that reality. And husbands may be prone to thinking that they occupy some higher standing as the head of the household or the master, the however you, whatever phrase or title that they may have had or they may have now or they may think in their own thoughts lord of the manor 
or whatever it may be. You notice that what Peter does is to bring them down to earth and raise wives up at the same time. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. If you are praying with a haughty spirit, prideful, arrogant, if you have contempt for others, your prayers will not be affected. We come before the Lord with knees bowed and arms outstretched. That's the kind of leadership we need. Humility leads us before the gracious throne in seeking the Lord's blessing and forgiveness. And so husbands are called to honor their wives and demonstrate humility just as wives are called. So what are the consequences of this? And this is regardless of where you find yourself in your own relationships. What are principles? And I'll do this rather quickly. But principles we can discern here. First of all, marriage is good. That's Peter's expectation. That even if one is a follower of Christ and the other is not, we should seek healthy marriages. We can also recognize that they're hard at times. Abuse exists. Divorce is allowed. And death disrupts marriage. And yet, we can still say with Scripture that marriage is good. And it should be and is often a gift from God to us. Secondly, our, our lives have evangelistic weight. What do my words and actions betray about the gospel? I think I said it a few weeks ago. If your life is a walking sermon, what are you preaching? What is being declared around you? So as you act in the arenas that God has placed you... Maybe that's as a wife, maybe that's as a husband, maybe that's not in all of those things, and yet still we see throughout First Peter there's an evangelistic weight to how we live. Thirdly, our inward confidence in Christ should drive our outward behavior. That is true for all of us. And that's something we have to keep coming back to. I've told you this before, but one of the blessings of my friendship with Pastor Alex at the Village Church is how often he reminds me of my identity in Christ. When I'm frustrated or discouraged or down, he'll pray for me and he'll remind me and he'll say, Adam, you are a son before you are a pastor. And you, beloved, are sons and daughters through Christ the living God, and to know that then should drive you out into this world. That doesn't mean it will be easy, but it's holding on to, clinging to that fundamental identity, a blood-bought, cross-shaped identity that we li then live out wherever we find ourselves on the map in this moment. And then lastly, of a consequence, we should seek to apply Scripture specifically to our situations, paying careful attention when we are addressed in our roles or circumstances. That is true. At the end of 1 Peter, shepherds, pastors, elders are going to be addressed. I need to pay particular attention to that. But you need to hear it as well. Husbands and wives here. But I want to make this note because when Peter calls wives to have a, the beauty, imperishable beauty of a gentle 
and quiet spirit. Who should you think of when you hear that phrase? You know what one of the fruits fruit of the Holy Spirit is? Now you're doing the you're doing the song or the you're going through them. Eventually you'll get to gentleness. The call to emulate, to follow, to be filled with the Spirit is not gender specific. That is for us all. So where you are, what can you adorn yourself with? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Uh, yeah, I'll stop there. There's nine of them. Yeah, keep going. Gentleness. That is a biblical mandate for each and every one of us here. So I'll conclude with this. Why do you look at the directory at the mall or somewhere similar? I mean, you might just like maps like I do. But you also look to figure out where you are and where you are going. You might be here, but most of the time we're headed somewhere. And that's true of all of us in the Christian life. We may be one place right now, but we are all moving forward elsewhere because God has put us on his map. And that is one we'll need to continue to reference quite frequently. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for uh, your word. It is truth. Thank you for the gospel, which declares that we sinners can know the redemption that is bought by Christ's blood. And we can be, be made new so that we live out our lives following you. And that will change us. And Lord, we pray, will change our world. So Lord, thank you uh, for your word today. And we pray that you will continue to minister to us. And Lord, where we may fall short, or where we may be discouraged or experiencing hard things, Lord, meet us there at that place on the map. Show us your presence and your grace once again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll take your...